Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today, and I hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. If if it was raining, you stayed dry, or or at least you enjoyed the rain, and maybe it was uh, beneficial for you and and your um, plants that you're growing, your, your vegetables and fruit that you're growing to supplement what you have to pay at the grocery store these days. My goodness gracious. So it is, like I said earlier in the month, I know we've been focusing on dads a lot. There's a lot of stuff going on. But it is National Home Ownership Month. And I am just ecstatic to bring back one of the entities that I uh, appreciate a lot, and you've heard me say it. Um, Habitat for Humanity does a lot of good work, and I have the privilege of having on the president and CEO of Habitat for Humanity in Orange and Osceola counties, Ms. Catherine Stegman-Manis. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I am doing well, and like you, I was doing some gardening over the weekend, so uh, that oh. was funny that you mentioned it. Yeah, I didn't get to it. <laughs> it was on my mind. <laughs> but it's coming next week for sure. So, yeah, okay, next weekend. Okay. So, um, anyway, so what are you gardening? What do you grow? Well, I am trying to possibly grow tomatoes. We just moved, and uh, we're trying to get our soil prepared uh, mm-hmm. to, to do some things. And then we've planted some flowers and a few trees. And uh, so we'll see. I am not known for my green thumb, uh, so fingers crossed. So you have to go back and listen to my Friday in the Garden shows. I have the executive director of Lou Gardens on, on the third, <gasps> usually on the third Thursday um, this time he did Summer in the Garden last week. I think it was on a Wednesday. I can't remember. But anyway, um, yeah, Robert Bowden, he's great. Um, and Perfect. He's been on my show almost since the beginning, um, um, you, almost every month. So, uh, okay. yeah, <laughs> you Perfect. can pick up a yeah, lot of definitely. stuff from him. I will, I will do that. I will do that. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming back. So, Tell me what's going on with Habitat. Um, I know COVID kind of shook some things up and, you know, um, couldn't do a lot of the the build stuff. I've done a couple of the women's build projects with you guys. Um, and I, I just have been a respecter of uh, your organization since, I think, Hurricane Andrew when I first heard about it. 
so you wow. know how long that's been. That has been <laughs> so. just a few just a few years, right? Well, thank you so yeah. much. Um, and you really are a staunch advocate of ours, and we're so grateful and, and just have been um, for many years. So we, we appreciate that and the opportunity to come on and, and speak to your listeners. So it has been uh, quite uh, an interesting time for Habitat for Humanity. Uh, certainly, even prior to COVID, we had an extensive housing crisis, and I would say we're truly in a housing emergency uh, at this stage in our community uh, post-COVID, or maybe COVID isn't post, it's at least maybe in the side view mirror, if not the rear view mirror. But um, so we were fortunate during COVID to be listed as an essential service. And so we were able to continue building uh, without volunteers, but with our staff and other subcontractors. So we were able uh, to keep building throughout COVID and in fact built 25 homes uh, over that period of about a year and a half. So we kept going, we kept persevering and serving as many families in Central Florida as we possibly could. Uh, but it's tough. Uh, it's, it's tough right now. Uh, but the need is great and we just have to keep going. So where are you building right now? I know you're, you know, Osceola and Orange, and, and but that's not a small area. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. It is a rather large area, isn't it? So right now we are in uh, about halfway done with a 58-home subdivision in Pine Hills called Silver Pines Point. Uh, so it's uh, the third uh, phase of a development that was started years and years ago by a, another for-profit developer. So we're finishing that out. Um, and when we're concluded, 58 amazing homeowners will call Silver Pines Point home uh, through Habitat. And then we just broke ground uh, in Holden Heights. Uh, so we uh, will actually start building there uh, this week. Uh, we're in the permitting process and so forth. So Holden Heights is the next area. And um, so those will be our two focus areas for the most part for the next 12 to 24 months. So now Holden Heights is kind of undergoing, I guess, a little bit of a, I would say, a renaissance, so to speak. I know there's some uh, re uh a structuring of traffic patterns in that area as well. So, um, absolutely, uh, Holden Heights, as with many of our more historic communities um, in in Orange County, really are uh, gaining new steam and really getting a, a new life. But at the same time, trying to value. Uh, the history uh, that each community comes with. So uh, we're excited to be in Holden Heights uh, at the end of, I think, probably 24 months-ish. We'll have built 19 homes uh, is the plan uh, if we're able to stick to schedule uh, for brand new, uh, brand new homes in Holden Heights. So absolutely, it's a, it's a very well-located uh, community. Um, and uh, as I said, rich in history and, and just residents that very much want to see uh, the best uh, in, their, in their community. I think there's a need now more than ever for what you all do. Um, you know, we have more people moving into the area. We've seen mm -hmm. the prices of not only home ownership but rent skyrocketing. Mm -hmm. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. And the um, income is not keeping up with it. 
Um, let me ask you what your criteria is so people know what the criteria is for. Um, and do you have a wait list now? I can imagine you have a wait list. So we actually don't do wait lists. We find oh. that that is a, a bit counterproductive because um, we don't want people to have a false sense of hope uh, to be on a list of maybe one day they'll be called. So that is a choice that we make. Um, and currently, and this just happened about two weeks ago, we are not accepting applicants uh, currently. Um, we have already, because the need is so significant in our community, we have already chosen our homeowners for the next uh, 18 months. So, um, however, uh, with that being said, we do have a mentorship program that we encourage people to check out for us. And we're in the process of becoming a HUD housing counselor so that we can help people become home ready with financial literacy, with how to decrease their debt, uh, work with them with a case manager to really help them be as prepared as possible to either purchase a Habitat home, a home on the open market, um, or even just have a better credit score so when they go in to apply for a rental home or apartment, their credit score is better, hence their uh, monthly uh, rent could possibly be lower. So I know I just sort of spurt out quite a few things that we're doing, but um, right now, uh, the criteria when and if our um, application period opens again, and I should say when, not if, but when it opens again, um, you must be uh, less earning less than 120% of area median income. And as I'm sure your listeners know, right now, area median income in Orange County for a family of four is about 80000 and all this information is on our website at HabitatOrlandoOsceola.org. So um, I do encourage people to go and visit because there's a wealth of knowledge and resources there. So the main thing is your your uh, your income is the first thing that, that you have to meet. And then the credit score. You have to have a minimum of a 650 credit score. And after that, your debt-to-income ratio has to be at a certain amount, um, and, and that is where the nuance really sort of comes in. Um, but I do encourage people to visit our website uh, to learn more so that when uh, applications do open again, uh, they're ready to, to go. Definitely, and, and you do have a lot of information that people can take advantage of, even if it's, even in, in, you know, before well, I was going to say before, but even if if you don't end up in a Habitat home, you know, it prepares you just for the, the general process uh, of home ownership. So that's, that's always right. a good thing. So, yeah. So now, so now um, I wanted to ask, you work with a variety of corporations that, that are very supportive. Mm -hmm. I, I know I've seen um, Lowe's for one. Can you tell, tell us about your partnerships? Um, absolutely, and um, you know we have partnerships with Universal Orlando, with Lowe's, with Wells Fargo. The list, the list goes on and on with the amazing people um, 
and companies that, that want to support the work that we do. And so, yes, it depends on, uh, you know, our needs, certainly what the company's needs are. And uh, even more importantly, when we're talking corporate giving or corporate um, activism, it's very much what the employees of that company are looking for and how they want to give back to their community. Yeah, because I was going to say not only is it just maybe um, the, the funds that you get from them, but you do also get the mm-hmm. employees. I've seen some of the employees actually are, are just, you know, wonderful about coming out and, and doing the work. So that's, that's also uh, something I've appreciated about how that partnership works. So, you know, because I'm just one of those people mm-hmm. that, you know, it's like, just don't throw dollars at a situation. You know, it, it, I mean, mm-hmm. if you can do a little bit more than just throw dollars at a situation, that's always good. Right, right. And certainly COVID has totally changed the way that volunteerism works for so many organizations and Habitat is one of those organizations. And so we've been able, because we did not have volunteers on the job site for almost two years um, during COVID, during the height of COVID. Um, And so we were able to do some analysis as to what one uh, was the experience that our volunteers wanted and deserved when they came on the job site, what was the cost efficiencies of having volunteers, so where were they most used, because I agree, um, it's, it's uh, you know, we want people to give their time, talent, and treasure, um, but when we're asking for your talent, we're also asking for your time, so we want to make sure that there's a good return on investment of a person's time, that they're not just coming out swinging a hammer for an hour or two, and then that's about it. We really want to make sure that their substantive work Uh, that can be done and that the experience is a good one. So we've been able to really take our volunteer um, model and and turn it on its head in a good way. Um, So certainly right now it's summer and we have paused on volunteering because it is too hot for anyone Mm. uh, for the most part, right, that's not used to working outside every day. Uh, The last (laughs) thing we want is someone who's used to working in an office coming out in in this 115 degree feels like weather. Um, But starting in September, we're going to have uh, theme builds. So you mentioned Women Build. I know you're a supporter of Women Build and have come out. So we're going to take that concept and then work with companies and individuals to uh, on a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, just have a great experience coming to the job site, um, Mm -hmm. you know, working with one another, having different kinds of companies come out, collect So not just a great team building experience for the company, but team building for the community. And we think that is very important. Um, So instead of doing just different days throughout the month when someone comes out, they're going to be uh, more structured uh, and once a month three days out of the month, we're going to be coming together with a fun experience, usually with a theme of some sort, because that makes it even better um, and building community together. Oh, that sounds fun. I'm looking forward to that. So I've got yeah, to mark my calendar for yeah. that. <laughs> absolutely. So um, is there like an age range? You know, I know sometimes people want to bring their children out and stuff like that. So do you have an age range in terms of who you, who you allow to come out and, and you know, work on sites? Or beyond the side. We do have, yeah, we do have an age range. So typically, the youngest 
that someone could be on the job site at 16, and they would need to have an adult, uh, typically a parent or a caregiver, over the age of 21 with them to do that. Um, at 16, there's not a ton you can do. You can maybe swing a hammer or paint, which is important. But at 18, you can actually start using some power tools, which I know is really fun. Um, and the majority of the people that come and, and spend time with us are older. Um, but one of the things that we're doing is we're looking at our volunteer program and the needs of our organization is how can we have activities that are meaningful to those under the age of 16 and even elementary school students? How can we find activities that are meaningful to them that are in support of the work that we're doing um, and provide some education, some knowledge, and resources about why housing is so important? Um, because the more we can uh, educate and inform our community, even our little elementary school students, because they typically take information home with them about why it's important in our community to have housing that is affordable, um, the better off we are. So we're gonna we're gonna start young uh, and educating them on the importance of housing and and why community health really does start at home. That's an excellent idea, and um, I, I just I'm glad because you got to start people early. I mean, you know, yes. to have that mindset in terms of that that importance. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's not something that's taught in schools a lot, <laughs> if at all. So. Exactly. Anyway. And, and that is, too, when we're looking at sort of that educational component of what Habitat can do, um, is what kind, and this, of course, is, you know, something that we're looking at as we, as we gear up uh, to find other ways to serve the community um, around housing and housing-related issues. And I think that that knowledge, that education is important, um, even for high school students, right? When you're, when you're thinking of getting out of high school and either going to trade school or college or just getting into the workforce straight out of high school, what do you need to know to be prepared to rent your first home or your first apartment? Um, what can we and how can we help you? really understand how your finances play a huge role in the type of housing that you can live in. Um, So, yeah, so we're really looking at expanding that educational component around housing throughout the community. And and that's really good because I think um, in a lot of cases, uh, parents don't help Sometimes, and it's not necessarily a deliberate thing, but parents don't necessarily help the children understand as much as they need to understand about um, home ownership and what's all involved. You know, I mean, there's the designation of chores if if the parents are lucky. (laughs) (laughs) These days, (laughs) the kids seem to kind of get out of that sometimes. Uh, But there's the designation of chores. There's not other things. But I, I just recall... For example, when I was a little girl, and my mom tell, uh-huh. used to tell this story all the time, which I didn't, <laughs> which she wouldn't have. Right. But she, but it was like you know, she was like, well, you know, I would say, well, let's do this, or let's you know buy this, or let's, and she's like, uh-huh. you know, well, we can't afford it right now, and I was like, well, uh-huh. write a check, because right. in my mind, I saw that the you know we bought stuff, the checkbook came out, okay, uh-huh. it, it just you know we didn't have cards at the time, uh, right. So, 
you know, it was like, but, you know, it was like a matter of needing to sit down and explain that the check has to have some backing in terms of money. It's not the check didn't just, the check wasn't the money itself. So it you know, wasn't mm-hmm. an unlimited supply of, of little square rectangular paper, uh-huh. you know. So, exactly. Yeah, I, right. So those lessons are, are really, really important. So, and they are, I, I, and they they aren't typically lessons that I mean I'm a parent too now I have a young adult, um, but mm-hmm. uh, it it is tough. It's it's you sometimes forget like oh yeah I really should try and make the connection to some of these things. Mhm. Exactly. Exactly. So I guess one of the things I wanted to also inquire about is how do you identify neighborhoods or how do you identify property on which you're going to do your work? (laughs) Um, Well, and that's a really hard identification now because uh, construction is booming and has been for the past few years uh, here in Central Florida. So trying to acquire new land is is almost impossible. Um, But what we look for is um, neighborhoods of need and um, how can we get move into a neighborhood and uh, increase value um, add um, you know uh, add uh, to the tax basis certainly um, and then for us it has to be within a particular geographic service area so most of Orange County and of course all of Osceola County and then at the end of the day um, is the land cost effective for us like we 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 have to go in it trying to make uh the pro forma pencil um just as with any of us in any business um if it costs you you know ten dollars to do something and you can only sell it for one dollar how are you going to make up the difference and so we're Mm -hmm. always having to make up that difference because that's what we do we're we're a 501c3 which is a tax status and and we're trying to always make sure can we raise the money that we need to make the home affordable uh, to the community um, so th- the price point is very important to us um, and then what kind of infrastructure needs to occur on the land uh, living in Florida there is a ton of land but most of it has wetlands it has a lot of water it's quite swampy well you can build on those but it costs you a fortune uh, to bring dirt in, for example, um, so that you could build. Well, that then, even if the land is reasonable, um, the infrastructure work, the horizontal infrastructure work, the site development, people may um, hear that more frequently, the site development is so expensive that it doesn't make it affordable. So those are some of the things that we have to look at first and foremost. Um, And we'd love to build subdivisions. One, because we are building community literally and figuratively uh, when we build subdivisions. However, now we're looking at scattered lots. That's what we're doing in Holden Heights. We may have one or two homes built right next to each other, but mostly there's one lot on one street and two lots on another street. And so that's um, where we are right now is looking at scattered lots. Um, so if anyone's listening and they have land uh, that they would like to sell or donate to Habitat, please have them give me a call um, because we certainly are looking. You were just in my head because that was the next question I was going to ask you was, you know, are you taking donations of, of lots? Um, 
And I also wanted to ask you, not just lots, are you possibly taking innovate, uh, donations of house, let's say houses that are being that need renovation, or is it something that has to be done from scratch? No, we do rehab and repair. So, in addition to our new construction products, so occasionally we will have someone who calls and says, you know, my grandmother just passed away. We'd like to donate her house. So um, that's right. something we would go and look at. Um, you know, are there? Does it need to be completely rehabbed, or does it just need a few minor tweaks to make it, um, you know, something that someone would want to purchase? So I would say always call us, and then we can figure it out. Um, and probably 50% of the time it works out um, that it is worth us accepting the donation and then putting in and raising the money to rehab and then uh, resell uh, the home. Uh, the same with property. It depends. Does the property come with, you know, substantive code violations? Sometimes that happens. That's why the person wants to donate the property. Um, mm. and in some cases, that works because as a nonprofit and as, as an affordable uh, housing developer, we can sometimes get certain code violations um, sort of excused, for lack of a better word, um, but it all depends. And I know I've, I would love to say all of this is super easy peasy. Um, it's not. It's a bit catered. There's lots of nuance to it, but I encourage, um, you know, all of your listeners to, to give us a call because I'd rather have the conversation and figure out that it can't work um, than it never happens and, you know, there was the possibility that it could work. Right, right. Because I have had customers in the past that they were, you know, from out of town. It's like, you know, I'm not coming back here or I'm not coming here. And, you know, mm -hmm. this is my grandmother's home or this is my aunt's home. And they had to go mm -hmm. through all kind of processes in terms of uh, verifying it with uh, death certificate records and other things. And, it's, you know, um, I'm oh, yeah. sure in terms, some of them probably would have just said, here, you know, <laughs> you know, I'll donate yeah. it, you know, because I'm not going to, you know, and I'll write it off, you know, because it's just not really uh -huh. worth all of what it takes to for the upkeep and maintenance and then try to sell it maybe or whatever the case yeah. may be. So, yeah, yeah so that's, absolutely. That's good so it is an option, and because we are a nonprofit, um, of course, they'd have to work with their tax advisor, but it, it could be and typically is some type of write off, uh, depending on, you know, how the house is titled and, and so forth. So, yeah, we are in that period of creativity, just like all of us are in our own companies and our own lives of, you know, what, what worked three years ago does not necessarily work today. So well, I'd love to sure. have those conversations because you just, you never know. Or if someone's driving past and they see, oh my gosh, this property is for sale. Um, we don't have a land acquisition team like other large residential builders do. Um, we don't. don't want to do it. No, we don't. So it's just a mm. few of us that, uh, you know, spend some time occasionally looking for land. So if you're, if you're out and you see land for sale, give us a call to us an email and let us know. You will probably be hearing from me a lot more than you want to then. So I love it. I love to hear from you. So I I, I will take those calls absolutely. Okay. Great, great. So what is your biggest need right now? Quite honest, our biggest need is 
um, financial contributions and land. Um, we have wonderful homeowners who are working through the program to become Habitat homeowners. We're doing a great uh, project with Orange County doing a roof replacement program. Um, so I do encourage your listeners, um, if they live in uh, Orange County, to, to check that out. We're doing total roof replacements. Um, if you're less than 80% AMI um, and can't qualify for other things, um, Orange County is, is funding that program for us. Um, and then we're doing um, repairs in Osceola County, um, trying to really help people preserve and maintain their home. You know, so many of our elderly are in a home that's affordable to them because it's paid off, but they're not financially or physically able to keep up their home, you know, keep up the maintenance and the repair. So we're finding if we can get in and repair their home, um, they're able to stay in that affordable situation. They're not having to move out or they're not having to sell. So we're also in the preservation game. Um, you know, we're not going to be able to build ourselves. No one is. We're not going to be able to build ourselves out of this affordable housing crisis. So we've got to look at every possible way we can to preserve housing that is affordable um, and start building new housing that stays affordable. Um, so we're, we're in a very interesting time uh, in our community of looking at uh, different product types, different housing types. Um, you know, we're so used to that single-family home. I think we're going to have mm -hmm. to look at density as we move forward because land is, um, even if you can find land, you know, and, you, and money was no object, we're running out of land. Uh, there's mm -hmm. none of it. So we have to look at how can we really maximize the land that we do have. I think we're going to have to start looking at more permanent affordability um, through land trusts or through extended deed restrictions so that if we do build an affordable unit, it stays affordable for a period of time. Um, because otherwise, you just every year, you just keep losing and losing. Um, and, and so it's like a game of shoots and ladders. You know, you move forward three spaces and then you you know, you roll down another five. So we're really taking a good look at how can we diversify our impact in the community. Let me ask you this, because most of your homes, are, mm -hmm. or, or the ones I've seen, are single story. Um, is, yes. Has there ever been a consideration of building up, or what was the reason mm -hmm. for just a single story home? Yeah, so we did. Our first community was Staghorn Villas, and it was a townhome community um, and 58 uh, townhomes. Um, I think there were sep eight separate buildings, like, you know, with, I don't know, five or six units within each building. And those were two-story. Um, yes, I think we're going to look at that again. And that was our only community that way. We have done one or two two-story single-family homes, um, but we've been able to do single-story um, single-family for such a long time. We had, hadn't had to really look at doing anything different. And quite honestly, that's what most people want. They want the single-family house with the white picket fence and all that comes with it. Um, and so we've not, as a community, really looked at going higher than that. 
Um, however, we are now, right? We're going to have to start looking at homeownership uh, through condos, homeownership through zero lot lines. We're going to have to start being more uh, creative like some of our other urban counterparts um, in other portions of the southeast. Um, the problem is, and I know I'm getting sort of in the weeds with this, but as soon as you have any shared amenities, especially if you have a connecting walls, you end mm-hmm. up having a condo association dues. <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, I wasn't even thinking about that, to tell you the truth, because I, I, you know, I was single for a while, a long time. I was Uh looking forward to getting out of sharing walls. So, no, that wasn't what I was thinking about. I was just thinking about since you have to look at the amount of land that's available, especially in Orange County. uh, Yes. Excuse me. You you Uh probably might want to consider, especially if you have families that need more square footage, you know, going up, and I didn't know if there were any particular restrictions for that. No, we can certainly do two-story. You know, however, when you do two-story, you're adding square footage, and when you add square footage, the cost of the home is more. Um, So we're always looking at how can we keep the home most affordable, um, both in how much it costs us to build it and then uh, for the buyer, uh, making sure that, that it, we're keeping it in a way that we can make it, you know, uh, so that they're paying no more than 30% of their gross household income uh, between their mortgage and escrow. Okay. Number one, I've kept you much longer than, than you said you were going to be here. <laughs> Number two, oh, I've I asked you a it. lot of questions that you didn't expect. <laughs> so I appreciate your indulgence. Well, thank you so much. So oh, can you, you give so us much. the contact information, how we can um, get reach out to you or reach out to Habitat and, and um, see how we can help? Yes, the best way to do that is to go to our website at Habitat Orlando Osceola. Dot O-R-G. So that's Habitat Orlando Osceola dot O-R-G. Uh, our website has all of our contact information and, and who to call or who to, to reach out to. And then I also encourage your listeners to uh, follow us on social media. We've got uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all those cool things. Um, so to follow us on, on those social media uh, platforms because we put a lot of information out that way as well. Catherine Steck McManus, thank you for coming back. Look forward to having you back again anytime. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Have a great afternoon. You too. Take care. Be well. Uh huh. Bye bye. Bye bye. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to have a friend of mine on, and I want to talk about are you a shopping snob? Okay. I will talk more about that when we come back. The number, if you want to join the conversation, 516-387-1944. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. Does it appear the long arm of the law is working against you instead of for you? Whom do you call when the boys in blue are pursuing you? When the wrong person behind bars may end up being you? With over 40 years combined legal expertise, Anderson and Welch bring to bear a smart, sound, sensible defense of those caught in what may be the unrelenting grip of the legal system. Turn to Anderson and Welch first to get ahead of trouble, not fall into it by calling 561 561- 
That's 561-832-3386. That's five six one eight three two three three eight six. That's Anderson and Welch Law Firm online at andersonandwelch.com. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being on with us today, and thanks again to Catherine Steck-McManus. I'm sorry, I was trying to grab a real quick bite of lunch. Catherine Steck-McManus with um, Habitat, Orange, excuse me, Orlando, Osceola County. And please, I'm going to post her the, the information for Habitat on the G's Power Hour Facebook page. So help out whatever way you can. Stephanie Dukes, are you there? Oh, gosh, please don't tell me she's not coming on. Okay, so I have a question. Are you a shopping snob? Hi, Lady G. Oh, there you go. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you. And hello to your listening audience. So my question, are you a shopping snob? <laughs> I'm going to explain. I'm going I'm to lay the groundwork. <laughs> okay. Define what so. you call a shopping snob. Okay, all right. So I'm going to lay the groundwork here with with one product in particular. Okay, so you all have heard me talk about my weekly, or at least my attempted weekly regimen of relaxation, which is a soak in the tub on Sunday, uh, late afternoon, early evening. Um, and usually it's I use Dr. Teal's. I love the Dr. Teal's line of products, and they're expanding. I'm actually going to see if they're they're taking investors. But anyway, so I go and get it from Walmart. And at Walmart, at least what I observed recently, where I got it from, it was $4.87. Now, I know some people just won't shop at Walmart for a variety of reasons, but I was in Ulta. This morning, same product, same exact product, and it was five ninety nine. Now I like Ulta, okay, I do, but my thing is, I gotta look out for my wallet first, okay, and so I'm not sure if I want to pay. Because I also have a tendency to buy multiple bottles at a time because, like, I was totally out, so I had to stock up. Um, so I, I'm looking at paying a dollar and twelve cents more per bottle if I buy it at Ulta instead of going to Walmart and grabbing it up for four dollars and eighty-seven cents. Now, the reason I ask that because, like I said, some people they won't go to Walmart, but the, I look at it. I think there are more Walmarts closer to me than Ulta's. So, I mean, my thing is I got to also look at the gas to get to where, not only that the cost of the bottle, but the gas to get to wherever the Dr. Teal is. So am I willing, if I don't like Walmart, how, but I like the product, how much more am I going to pay to go get this product? I got to pay extra gas. I got to pay extra um, for the product. And depending on where I go, I may have to pay extra tax because I believe in Orange County, the taxes are 6.5%. 
in Seminole County, I believe it's 7%. So, ergo, are you willing to pay all that extra not to go to certain places to get what you want? Or, you know, so that's why I say, are you a shopping snob, Stephanie? No, I'm not a shopping snob. Um, I used to be brand. I kind of what you're talking about, I I consider that people who are brand or establishments, um, what was the best word, connected, that um, time in, oh, gosh, I forget when it was. Florida had a political boycott, a political and economic boycott against the tourism industry. You remember that? And one of the no. things we did, you don't remember that? Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Well, Go maybe ahead. because it was, it was more so centered in Miami. And mm-hmm. one of the things we did during that time to talk about and stress the economic political power that was within the community was to buy things on certain established days with the Susan B. Anthony dollar. And between that boycott and back in the 80s when we had the boycott against Shell for the apartheid, I became um, neutral on brand loyalty. I learned to spend my dollars to places, spend them where I could be, have the most economical as well as political impact, and where I could get the most for my dollars, and to do business with people who did business with, with me as well as with my community. And so, no, I'm not a snob. Uh, I learned to, like you just had Habitat Humanities on, I learned to spend money with businesses who supported causes like Habitat Humanities. If I see that Home Depot versus Lowe's uh, is spending, giving more donations to projects for Habitat for Humanity, I'm going to spend more of my dollars at Home Depot, although I may have tend in another life may have leaned more Lowe's brand. Uh, I have someone that would only purchase by Lowe's, but it's because it's not dusty in Lowe's, they say, as versus other places. So it's things like that um, that determines. So maybe I, I'm a snob for causes and support. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I get that too. Um, and I, now I, I haven't gone totally brand neutral, you know, because if you have a brand that works, then I'm gonna I'm sticking to it um, for years. Um, I, yeah, I've used, I'm gonna throw this one out there. I've used Tide because Tide mm-hmm. has always worked since I was a kid. Tide has worked. Now we've switched off and tried other things, and I'm actually considering switching back because one of the things that that I'm trying to do with that type of stuff is to get out of the um, over-chemical stuff, I will say. For example, the stuff that has the dyes and the perfumes. 
I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to get away from a lot of that. Um, yeah. I, I used to have uh, allergies when I was a kid, and my mom used to, like, run my clothes through, like, an extra rinse or something like that to make sure that, the, you know, the excess detergent or whatever was out. So so now that they make these products without a lot of the dyes and perfumes, I, I've, you know, my husband and I have discussed it, and we're a little bit more leaning toward um, – detergents and fabric softeners and other things that have uh, fewer dyes and perfumes, you know, so, so, you know, I mean, if, if it depends, if you have a brand that, that serves the purpose that I need, yes, for sure. You know, I'm going to stick with it or whatever, or I'm going to switch to it if if you work, you know, so, you know, I'm going through a little bit of trial and error with that. So, um, but yeah, I'm I'm also for for causes for sure. And you know, I mean, like you were talking, I was listening to you and you were talking about the Home Depot and Lowe's thing. Now, my husband and I have had discussions about Home Depot and Lowe's. Actually, he worked uh, for a while part time with Home Depot. Um, but I have just gravitated toward Lowe's. One, um, they have the military discount in they don't seem to give you as much grief about it to me as the other store. Two, I just always, to me, found Lowe's to be, I guess, more appealing to female customers than I Hmm. do Home Depot. I I find Home Depot to be um, more of the actual, not, well, it's, it's a little bit of upgrade, um, but more of mm-hmm. the old-fashioned hardware store, and I found Lowe's to be more of the um, total home improvement store, not just like exterior, not just hardware and stuff like that, but just seems to have stuff that that, that provides to me more of the, what I call, I guess you could say creature comforts of home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why I tend to grab. I go to both, but I, to be honest, I really do tend to gravitate more toward Lowe's, especially because of the military discount for, that my husband's able to get. Okay. Now I did have a friend tell me that I was talking about clothes, and I don't remember if I was talking about giving away clothes or buying clothes. And I'm, I must have been talking about buying clothes, and mm-hmm. that I go to. I love several thrift hand stores that have really nice items in. I shop at a couple of them. Uh, I don't know if I should say it. Well, I've, we've been calling everybody else's name on this show. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love um, my St. Vincent Catholic thrift store where mm-hmm. I live. They just mm-hmm. really have great bargains. Again, bargains. And I know yeah. I'm supporting good calls as well as Goodwill because that's a good cause that they reinvest into training and jobs in the community. But uh-huh. I remember my friend saying, oh, I just can't wear secondhand clothes. Mm-hmm. And now I took that to be a little snobbish. Well, and, uh, I'm, but that and I'm probably the friend that, that said that. <laughs> and I'll no, admit it that. wasn't you. It was actually someone else. Oh, okay. Well, I, I will admit that. I, I mean, now I've worn secondhand clothes, but I knew where I was getting them from. You know, mm-hmm. my um, my aunt, God rest her soul, uh, was a school teacher for a number of years. And I ended up getting 
like sweaters and other things from teachers that she worked with that they were getting mm-hmm. rid of stuff and she would get them mm-hmm. and bring like piles of that stuff to me. And I always, you know, was trying to try to be like appreciative, you know, it's like, you know, thank you. And, you know, whether you want it or not, you're, you're gracious in, in, because it was someone that was, you know, thoughtful. They were thinking of you in the giving and you say, thank you. And, and you, you take it, you know, so that's, I, you know, and I wore, and I, I did get a lot of good stuff, you know, and then I got some stuff I was like, mm, you know, this is a little old for me, but hey, you know, but my problem also is, and it's not even just secondhand stuff, you know, I had an experience with an article of clothing that I purchased at a store that I will not name, but I just don't go there that much, especially for clothes. Um, and I have gotten a couple of other pieces there. In fact, I got my engagement dress from this store. But I got a dress for a special occasion for church from this particular store. It had um, lace. And it was a nice dress. But I ended up itching and started breaking out in these little bumps and stuff like that. And it was just, it was one of the most awful experiences I've ever had in my life. Uh, it turned out I ended up with what they call scabies. Mm. And they say, uh, you, you know, it could, probably was someone who had it mm-hmm. and tried on the article of clothing and mm-hmm. the, you know, the whatever it is laid larva or whatever <laughs> oh whatever mm-hmm. so it was like oh mm I, I just so it's so even brand new clothes or supposedly brand new clothes I have to clean those things uh either wash them or dry clean them or at least spray them down with some Lysol before I even <laughs> wear them and and it is really put between that and COVID it's really put um I guess a damper on things for me in terms of trying stuff on, or I usually try stuff on now, or maybe over stuff. But at the same time, I'm just one of those people that hate. I, don't, I like to go to a store once, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> for, for for whatever article I'm going. I like to go to a store once, and I like to get what I'm getting, and I don't want to have to bring it back. Mm-hmm. I don't want. I I don't like that. That's a waste of my gas and time, you know. So I, I'm I'm a like one and done kind of person when it's, it's you know, comes to the shopping thing usually. You know. And that's because one actually of the I may have that... gone there more uh, more ahead of time because I'm usually scouting out my stuff before I actually make the purchase. Mhm. That is one of the things I learned from my mom things. And to always when you buy it, wash it before you wear it. And if it's something you think that you might have to take back then you, you know, we usually put it up against the stretch, you know, see, okay, does it fit the measurements for the size and all of that. But that is the other thing that I do like about if I buy something from clothing wear from one of the thrift stop shops, if I don't like it, if I wash it, and I always put a desanitizer over in my laundry, uh, whether it's something I bought brand new or something I've worn uh, already have in my wardrobe because as I'm traveling around outside and like you said, COVID is potentially, I have just always assumed that once I leave my house, I have a thousand germs 
that are on my clothes by the time I return home. And that's why immediately before sitting down on any of my furniture or anything, the first thing I do is take off my street clothes, put on my house clothes, so that those germs are, you know, contained within the laundry basket and then washed but if I purchase this something from a thrift store and it doesn't fit or I really don't like it or I've just, like we've had an event that was a cowboy cowgirl dress up, so it's stuff I would never wear again unless someone else has a cowgirl party, um, I don't feel bad by giving it back to the thrift store or getting rid of it or not being able to wear it again. I don't have that much money invested in the item and I'm giving it back to the thrift store so they can thrift it again and make more money. So that's like the pluses I have found, particularly since we're at that age where my size goes up and down, economical again, my economical power uh, to just purchase things from the thrift store. And every now and then there is that thing that – you know, I may go to, to one of the big department stores just to keep my charge card active, but I never, practically never buy anything at full price because I yeah, just me it's a rip-off. Well, it's not a rip-off. Yeah. It's, it's, it's marketing. That's where they make their money. And Some of it's a I rip-off. I just try to keep my money, as much of it as possible, in my pocket so that I can support the different causes that I like. Yeah. So now I'm maybe I'm a snob in that way. Maybe I'm a mm-hmm. thrift store snob. <laughs> well uh, also but we too, all have our specialties. Yeah. Um yeah, because uh I, I just well the other thing too I wanted to ask when I talk about you shopping snob, do you use coupons? Do you use shopping apps? I mean, you know, we've have, I've seen people now that have said, no, you know, I'm just going to, you know, because I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a shopping snob. Now, I'll shop clearance. That's one thing, um, yeah. per se. I, I, will, I will shop clearance. And like you said, too, I don't pay full price uh, unless it's something I really, really want or my, it's something that my husband sees that he likes and he wants me to have it. And I know he appreciates me wearing it. You know, he bought me something when we were away on our anniversary. And so, um, uh, you know, something I would have probably said, I'm going to wait till it goes on <laughs> and then maybe I'll get it. But there are a few things that I've seen, no, I want that right now. <laughs> and, and I've done that too. But that's rare. But um, the other thing, though, is using uh, coupons or shopping apps. And, I, you know, I've heard some people like, no, I'm not going to quit coupons. I'm going to shop. And, and, and people, I've, you know, get the sense that there's some people that are ashamed of using coupons and not, not I, I would say maybe not being able to pay full price or not wanting to pay full price, you know. Uh, no, I would say not being able to pay full price. Uh, and it's like, you know, like you said, the more you save, then the more you can use elsewhere, you know, the stuff that you, you the causes that you want to support. Um I even wanted to issue a challenge out to folks because, you know, um, I'm probably going to start in um, come fall or something about uh, getting your house for Christmas. (laughs) That's one of my things. And so my thing is, how much can you save? Like like I said, for example, I'm going to go back to the Dr. Teal's. Now, the other Mm -hmm. day, uh, (laughs) 
I bought three three bottles of Dr. Teal's at four eighty seven versus buying three bottles of Dr. Teal's at five ninety nine. And I'm going to truly enjoy my my Dr. Teal's uh, <laughs> for a while. But my thing is, okay, so maybe what I should do, or if I was trying to save up for my down payment or closing costs or whatever, that extra what dollar and twelve cents per bottle plus uh, any extra gas that it would have taken me to get to Ultra Ulta versus, um, and I like Ulta. Let me just put it out there. I do. I really do. But what? I, but Walmart is closer. So that extra mm-hmm. gas money that I would have spent getting to Alta, maybe I should take some of that, you know, account for some of that and say, okay, I saved this much in gas. Maybe I should put this, you know, just put this away somewhere, you know, and, um, you know, put it away in in a an interest-bearing account. Don't just go put it in a piggy bank, okay? Don't just mm-hmm. go put it under the mattress. Don't just go put it in a jar or, or in the change compartment in your car, whatever. Put it in an interest-bearing account. Designate it for whatever it is that you want. I have um, one of my accounts is designated for bills, and I put that's the account that I pay my bills out of. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when I get my check, I transfer money over into the bills account, okay? Mm-hmm. So you can with your, you know, or should be able to with your banking or institution or credit union, be able to say, okay, I need to set up a separate account for whatever. Mm-hmm. I got one for vacation too, <laughs> you know. So you can do that. Set it up uh, and just start funneling those, you know, that dollar here and there into that account. It may not pay for the whole down payment. It may not pay for any of the down payment. You know, you may need to pay for an appraisal. You may need to pay for furniture to go to the house. And I always say also, um, you need to have food to eat once you buy that house. You may just need to do a shopping trip, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that's that the that's one of the things that the economy has pushed a lot of us more to think about economic choices, particularly with the skyrocket price of gas, food, that we've had to sit down and think through our choices and Mm -hmm. how we actually allocate our funds now, where before we were a very frugal society. We had become very comfortable with saying, oh, well, and I could do this. But now we have to sit down and think about it before we do it instead of ask. Mm -hmm. And I believe you are a superb person at your, your kick, your shop kicks, using coupons, and those Fetch. are the things that I'm having I to learn a... to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The couponing, kicking, and then not only your coupons, how to coupon, how to keep them with you. I'm so organized till I, I never get the task completed because I'm too busy being organized, you know. <laughs> uh, 
it's like, okay, but I need to cut them out and I need to keep them in, in the package, you know, sorted it's so, like it's, this and, you know. Yeah, it, it's so much easier now because you don't even have to um, clip coupons that much. Number one, the stores have them a lot of times. And let me just say this. Oh, and we got to go. But just let me quick say thanks, Stephanie. Uh, just because the coupon is there doesn't mean you have to use it right then. Wait till a BOGO comes out and use the coupon then. That's all I got to say. All right. Thank you all for listening. This has been G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us. Be well, be safe, be blessed. Talk tomorrow. And please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care. He'll make it all right.